friends and listeners, we're Healthscape, a podcast exploring the healthcare ecosystem through intimate conversations with healthcare's biggest leaders. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Club and supported by the Healthcare at Kellogg program at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. Welcome to the Healthscape Podcast. I'm your host today, Connor Othai. Our guest on this episode is Samuel Ethiopia. Samuel is the Chief Operating Officer and co-founder of Doxpera. Doxpera is a venture-backed pre- and post-operative care coordination platform that addresses care continuum challenges facing procedural specialists and operating room professionals. Prior to founding Doxpera, Samuel worked at Yahoo and Strategy Ann. Samuel is an alum of Kellogg's Triple M program where he earned an MBA and master's in engineering management from Northwestern University. Additionally, Samuel has a BS in chemical engineering from UC Davis. Samuel, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, To start us off, could you introduce our audience to the company you co-founded, Doxpera? What does the company do and what led you to this opportunity? Yeah, it's a pleasure to share uh, about Doxpera and as you might know, there's about 50 million surgeries that are performed annually in US. And um, however, I think one of the biggest issue is that there's very limited uh, surgeon-centric solutions that are able to help manage from the point of uh, patient evaluation, pre-op uh, preparation, and also kind of track and monitor patient recovery. Um, at Duxpera, what we do is we provide uh, surgeon users one single platform that starts at the moment of uh, patient uh, uh, restrification, manage that patient pre-op, including manage implant supply chain, as well as help the surgeon see kind of the 360 feedback on patient recovery. In a simple manner, if I was to summarize it in a nutshell, uh, the way Salesforce is for sales person, we are a, a surgeon solution for surgeons, and that's how we see ourselves. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, before Docspera, were you looking to launch a business? It's interesting talking to entrepreneurs. There's kind of a mix of people, it seems like, where some always planned and always knew they wanted to do this, and others stumbled into it, curious to find where on that, that span you were and how you ended up at Docspera. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's quite funny to kind of reflect on that uh, about my past. Uh, I would say the latter. I was one that probably stumbled to it, but you know, it wasn't a primary plan for me at Kellogg, but I had a bit of an itch uh, wanting to develop a company from scratch. But then, you know, how its career continued after Kellogg, I think the interest started to grow more when I was doing a lot of M&A uh, for a private equity, as well as when I was at Yahoo, we did a lot of merger and acquisition. And uh, I, I think then when I met my co-founder, who also was a serial surgeon entrepreneur, who's been involved in it and brought in kind of a, a great challenge in surgical space, kind of, you kind of knew that it was time for me to jump in to become an entrepreneur. I think the right time for me as well as my other co-founders was that uh, it's when we have our set of skills, you know, complementary skills that we had or experience that we had kind of matched with what we were trying to go after from a sizable opportunity. I think when that crosses, that was a moment for us to kind of reflect and say, hey, this is a time to launch a business. And that was that was an appropriate time for us. What were some of the biggest challenges that came with starting a business from the ground up? And how did you deal with those challenges? Yeah, so I reflected on, let me, let me think about uh, when I'm looking at 
the, when we talk about uh, for, for us from a challenge, you know, starting a business, I would say in a ranked order, there are three things you'll constantly hear. It's, it's fundraising. You can't stop fundraising like you would not believe. Finding a great talent. Uh, I think that is something that people have an understated, uh, not seen it from the outside, but that is quite a difficult process. And then really, I think the one thing you spend a lot of time thinking about is like, are you defining and clarifying your sizable addressable market? Like, how do you know what, what kind of problem are you trying to solve for? And once you identify there is an actual real problem out there that people really need and how big it is, how do you monetize that? And I think one thing most people see being pretty straightforward in other industries, but in healthcare, it's pretty difficult because it's a perverse market, as you know. People that actually use the services don't pay for it. Payers do. So that makes it quite a difficult process. So if I was to look back and say, you know what, let me start with the talent and addressable market. I think essentially as you become a founder, uh, having kind of an initial clear understanding of the addressable market, access to initial complementary talent helps to avoid all the significant pitfalls. I think knowing that ahead of time is important. For example, if you're building, let's say, like the thing that we did with a digital healthcare company, you should have a strong technology or data head that most people miss. You have a technology company, you better have a friend or a colleague that's complimentary to you that's going to do that. Someone who understands your target customer audience also would be great. If you're into an industry that's something unique to you, you should know that a little bit. And I've seen many companies who try to outsource the technology part of it. It's painful to see them when they are trying to deploy their product for many reasons um, other than that. The other part is that uh, when it comes to fundraising, um, and you, I think the key part for people to know is that you got to start early, way before in your career to build those network of angels, VCs, because you don't have the time once you start to launch your business, because fundraising becomes a core part of your business. And if you have already set of contacts that you've already have built out, I think going to those people and interacting with them and starting to share your idea you'll have a better launch, a better opportunity to, to accelerate yourself into, in terms of fundraising other than uh, waiting for that later in your life. So that's something that you should start to build out early in your career or in, your, in the path that you're going for before you even launch uh, a business. That's super helpful advice. I think uh, there's a lot of students at Kellogg that obviously are, are looking to start businesses either in the near term or, or later down the road. So super helpful to, to hear about your experience and some of the key takeaways there. I'm curious to learn about your role today and how some of that might have evolved from some of the things you were just talking about with what it took to start a business. Probably a number of things stay the same and then some things change as well. What are the, the biggest things that you spend your time focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. As, as a company grows, uh, you start to transition of being uh, the jack of all trade. You know, everyone wears multiple hats, does everything. We You're the one who... Um, uh, not only are you putting together a presentation to a customer, you're actually sitting down with a technical team, literally writing the roadmap, working on the product management. Uh, I think that starts to evolve. You start to bring great talent, start to take over. You're no longer the support guy who's looking through the support tickets. You literally start to evolve yourself up. And so in the stage that we're in as a company, we're exceptionally going toward a scaling environment, whereas Series B heading to Series C environment. And at that moment, I find myself a lot more now uh, building um, a relationship with our large enterprise customers. So it's a constant, you know, interaction with their senior leadership, you know, the value that we provide, spend a lot of time building partnership. And that's what you spend a lot more time because now you're trying to scale as much as you possibly can beyond just 
holding on resources. You spent more time on coaching because a lot of your teammates are expert in one thing, but they don't have a lot of understanding of other areas. So you're teaching them leadership, things that are like you would expect in a common environment in a larger organization, but now you have to take on that level of responsibility. Definitely investor management is a key part of your business, keeping your investors aware of what's going on. And then definitely you're, you never stop searching for great talent. I would say that's probably one thing that uh, I used to not be good at, but now you start to learn to be good at. You search for that talent everywhere you go, try to find that next role that you could hire into the company. Since we're on a healthcare podcast, one question I wanted to ask you was some of the unique industries that come with running a startup in healthcare. It's a complex industry with a lot of regulation and complicated payments. Can you talk about some of the additional challenges and opportunities that come with leading a startup in this space? Yeah, absolutely. I would say when we started the business, you know, six to seven years ago, uh, the obstacles were pretty, I mean, there was a lot of uh, obstacles that were uh, essentially uh, 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 you had to deal with. And one of the key things is, you know, you had to deal with security. You had to deal with technology adoption. You had to deal with interoperability. And I feel now those are no longer obstacles. Uh, they're a bit of a, a minor obstacle because there's so many resources out there. If you spend a lot of time studying, there's so many other organizations that you could partner to really get rid of those obstacles out of the way. I think the biggest challenge um, in the industry right now is a digital health as you enter to the market. The only challenge that you deal with is how do I drive, um, what's the process of me getting into hospitals, to payers? Those processes are continue to be still long. Um, they're difficult, they're antiquated uh, because of the way that they deliver care. And sometimes the major issue is that how fragmented it is. The people that are that want your technology, the departments don't really speak well with their IT department. So you're spending a lot of time trying to key in, trying to figure out who are the key influencers. So the one thing I would say in that environment, as you think about this, you have to constantly challenge yourself in terms of your model. Like how do I identify a simpler way of introducing your solution? Like maybe building a point of um, uh, concept or a proof of concept for high value areas of the hospital or new facilities that they're thinking about or approach it with partners, you know, work with other organizations that have already entered, work with them so that they see added value with you so they could deliver a better solution because they already have a bridge in it. So being creative helps a lot to overcome those obstacles. But the first barriers that I mentioned, they're no longer a challenge at all anymore in this market. And that is that change because you see the market evolving or is it just as you've become comfortable as a company some of those challenges that face someone, a company just starting out aren't as, as big of an obstacle down the road. I think if I was to rewind and take ourselves back uh, forward now, and we're starting now, uh, of course, there's a bit, there's a lot of experience that we've gained from it. And we kind of understand how things have changed, but in all honesty, I could have just shaved off two years out of my, <laughs> unfortunately, we always say that all the time. We calculate the value that we've spent. I mean, I could have taken a couple of years worth of uh, work that we had to do from scratch uh, that now that's readily available. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, you, it's pretty amazing what AWS offers you now. Like I, you couldn't believe that six to seven years, there was not AWS. AWS was barely scratching in terms of the healthcare space. Now you could just carry the whole AWS platform and still provide at that level of uh, the same level that I'm providing in the market and compete with me. So that accessibility by itself has solved your worth of back-end work that some engineers would have spent 
working through uh, in doing that. So I think the opportunity because of the technology evolution, more acceptance in healthcare, I think is accelerating that process right now, in my opinion. Speaking of technology evolution, one thing I wanted to explore with you was talking about AI and healthcare. And Doxpera leverages AI to improve care outcomes. And we see pockets of that today in healthcare where companies are leveraging AI. I was curious, what do you see the future of AI and healthcare as? And how do you see that growing and changing in the next decade or beyond? AI is exciting. Um, I think this is the, uh, the timing can be perfect with what's happening with AI. Uh, I just, from my past experience, I, when I, before healthcare, I was involved in advertising tech, which ad tech has used AI way before everyone talked about AI. It, all this phenomenal targeting that you used to see, uh, it was all run on AI platforms. And I got to see kind of the early stage of what AI could do. But now it's exciting how AI has now kind of penetrated into healthcare. And I think it's, it's already there. Uh, it, one thing I've seen a lot now is that, you know, just from an industry perspective, you know, we talk a lot about claim processing and we've seen errors when people put codes on reimbursement. There are now solutions out there solving that through AI. And that's already been value added in this whole like infrastructure where you had to hire more people. Now you, you could hire a lot less people to do those kind of work. But for us, you know, the exciting part is that for us from Doxpera, we what we've done is that not think about AI as a back office solution. Can we bring that up in the front end side of our solution where surgeons now use it to make decisions or to assess the, the level of risk, whether to send a patient uh, outpatient versus inpatient? Because the exciting part right now in surgery is, can I send you into my outpatient facility, which means can I do the surgery and then within less than 23 hours, you're discharged to go home? That's, that's beyond exciting. So how do you help them make decisions uh, from the data that they have to make sure that the person is healthy enough to, uh, to deal with that, to, to be discharged within 23 hours? Another area that we're using AI is uh, uh, a sm- an organization like a department like surgery, where there's a massive value. As you could imagine, hospitals make a lot of their money on the surgery side, not on the um, emergency room. And one of the key things that we see is that backlog cases. There's so many people that are uh, uh, that that schedule and they're locked up for a few months before they even get a chance to have a surgery. And this is one opportunity we've got into uh, involved where can we prioritize certain patients that really need their depending on their pain, depending on their potential to fall risk. Can we take those set of data assets that we have, make an assessment better on how we optimize that patient to move forward as opposed to the one that's a lot more healthier and give, drive better patient access. And we're doing this in a number of hospitals right now where we're putting white papers behind it. And it's quite exciting to see that effect where you're helping the hospitals become more efficient at the same time you're driving better patient satisfaction. So that's really driven by AI. Um, I think the other part that I want to mention is that uh, which there is a greater opportunity along is this whole idea of life sciences. I mean, we've seen it in the pharma space where there's a whole lot of drug development that could be accelerated from like lead to decentralized trials to approval of lower f- failure rate when you go through the whole process. And we're, we're, I'm actually seeing that early stage of it coming up. And I think that's probably going to be the next phase that we're going to hear a lot about what's going on with the AI. I think the bottom line, if if I was to step back and think about what AI could bring to healthcare, uh, would like the I just mentioned about uh, some of the things that we're bringing to Doxpera. I think there's two. Remember, everyone talks about two things in healthcare. It's um, how do we reduce cost and how do we increase quality or patient satisfaction. The, the, those are the two things that matter the most. I mean, the rest is just garnish around it. And I think 
every time we always talk about uh, 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 increasing quality, everyone expects cost will increase along with it. It's, it's, it's a correlated uh, effect. However, we believe this is the part of uh, the elusive part of healthcare where AI could now do that a lot more better, more effective, where you could continue to reduce costs because there's not a lot of resource burden involved in it, but at the same time, drive a very personalized, targeted quality satisfaction. And I think that's that's the exciting part of AI that I'm quite excited about and how we could utilize it further. That's super exciting to, to see where AI and healthcare is going and, and see how DocSpare is helping lead that charge. Uh, the last question I had for you is there's a lot of students at Kellogg that are interested in digital health or entrepreneurship or in many cases, both. What experiences at Kellogg were most helpful in preparing you for your career today? Yeah, kind of reflecting back, uh, I mean, uh, it's, we all had such a great time in Kellogg. And if you, you could ask every single person, uh, you know, the number of networks that we built out, you know, phenomenal faculties. I, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, Kellogg absolutely has, you know, I still keep up with number of the faculty in health, entrepreneurship, you know, there's a lot of things that students could take advantage of, uh, no question about that. But I think if you step back and looked at some of the comments I made earlier, I, I think one thing that if I was to look at it into is that, I've used, I've tapped into a lot to my network already uh, through the growth of this company. I think building those um, set of networks with other students that have completely different complementary set of skills. Uh, let me give an example. Like I wish I spent a lot of time um, hanging out with a lot of my classmates that were going to venture capital. Like how do they think about deals? I know I was on a group where I was spending a lot more time on healthcare and, and consulting, but I never really thought about that could come pretty handy later in life. But, you know, I eventually tapped into that in terms of navigating through the fundraising process. The other part is, you know, uh, don't, I mean, especially in, in the healthcare space, sometimes, you know, we're operating from a Chicago mindset. You know, we think about like pharmas, we think about like hospital healthcare systems or payers don't ignore your tech friends. They're going to be extremely valuable in terms of bringing you the right set of talents if you're thinking about digital, because digital is tech. And how many times have I sat in across the table when uh, a medical device or a pharma company that we're selling our product to tells me that, hey, we're going to build this in-house. And I'm kind of laughing going, yeah, good luck, because you really are building a software company inside a medical device company. And how, I don't know how you're going to achieve it. In many cases, nine out of 10, they failed. So I think having a clear strategy of having you to be more, you know, connecting between uh, the ability to connect to a massive, you know, uh, group of people that are in tech space. And I know in Kellogg, as much as a healthcare, and if we could combine that set of networks, I think it will make you a lot more powerful as you launch your digital health in the future. So that's what I see. That's super helpful advice. I really appreciate you being on the show today, Samuel. Really appreciate your insight about both digital health and your experience as a founder and your time at Kellogg. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And I, I know students will be really interested to hear what you have to say. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Connor. Thank you for all the questions. Thank you for listening. Support us by subscribing to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about healthcare at Kellogg, visit us at the website linked in our podcast description. Have a great day.